You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello there, I'm Ollie Southgate, and from the Broadway Podcast Network, this is Putting It Together, where on the first Friday of each month, I sit down with Broadway's best business minds to talk about the state of the art and their role in keeping the world's biggest theatre town at the top of the list. On this month's show... We both pretty much at the same time said, you know, it's just such a shame that it's impossible to find these theatre podcasts. And then we both kind of said, well, maybe we should do something about that. (laughs) And by the end of the meeting, it's like, yeah, let's do something about that. Putting It Together celebrates its first year, so then does the Broadway Podcast Network, and I'm talking to its founders, Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, about the inspiration behind the platform. From a financial standpoint and a unification of effort and energy standpoint, the more we have together, the more download numbers we have, then as a network we present to potential sponsors, potential advertisers, potential shows, whatever the case is, so you can actually turn it into a business. One is a Tony and Emmy award-winning producer, the other the spearhead figure behind the world-renowned talks at Google series, and together they've beaten the odds to drastically grow a Broadway-centric business in the year of coronavirus. So let's find out how Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals put it all together. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I was at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in Los Angeles. And I was five years old, and my parents took me to see Hello, Dolly! with Carol Channing. All I know is from that moment on, I had to be part of theater. Were they theatrical parents? Do you come from theatrical lineage? or Only that they love theater, they love movies, they love the arts. But uh, no one in my family at all was ever in the business before. Wow. But uh, they're, they're all their fault. They 
<laughs> that was the moment, definitely. For sure. And uh, Alan, how about you? I grew up watching VHS tapes of Music Man singing in the rain and West Side Story. So that was, I guess, probably what modern day kids, like they watch Frozen over and over again. I was watching one of those three VHS tapes over and over again. And similar, similarly, my parents were theatrical people, but they weren't really involved in theater. My dad, his claim was that he was in his acapella group in college. And my mom was a dance major at UCLA as well. So they both appreciated the arts, but neither of them ever like did anything professionally. So then how did falling in love with theater transition into careers? Um, for the two of you? Well, it, growing up in Los Angeles, I didn't know anybody uh, in theater, nobody. And it took uh, quite a while to get to New York and to <laughs> to find a way into the community. So I really started out actually first as an investment banker uh, in mergers and acquisitions at Morgan Stanley. <laughs> and when I finally was able to find my way into the movie business, I was in the movie business for a while before I found my way into theater. I always forget you went, you were at Morgan Stanley. That's, that's insane to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is crazy, but it was really great. It was, it was an amazing way to in a very hardcore way, learn about business. And my office was at 6th Avenue and 50th. And so I would spend a lot of time looking out the window at NBC and Radio City and the Time Life building and thinking, oh, that's where I belong. What am I doing here? And Alan, how about you? I know, uh, officially speaking, your career is sort of arts adjacent and in terms of your you know your day job yeah my my career has has been kind of all over the place the only advice that i listened to that my from my mother um was that you can act with a computer science degree but you can't do computer science with an acting degree or an arts degree because growing up with the performing the singing the dancing that's where i always kind of found my home and found my tribe of people and and i so i was in like boys choir and show choirs and you know there's something about music and performing that brings people together and it was that's where I found my comfort. And like Dory said, she didn't know anybody in my areas too. That's how I made friends. All at the same time though, my left brain was beating down my right brain saying, but this new computer that just came into our house, like take it apart, how does it work? And so the first thing I did when my dad bought our IBM 386 back in 1988, whenever 87, 88 was take it apart. And I started messing with all the jumpers and I was overclocking it and doing all this nerdy stuff. I had two parallel tracks, one on the tech and one on the singing. And so eventually career-wise, tech one out because I went to an engineering school, got that degree in computer science. And then after I got that degree, became a professional actor for five years. And then stopped working in 2007 when the writer's strike hit, which was my time to stop doing regional theater and gave me the break to move to New York and moved to New York, fell back on computers. And then short, long story short, five years later, I come to Google as an engineer. Okay. And I should say, actually, as a perfect accompaniment to that story, for our listeners' benefit, Alan is sitting in front of a very high-tech looking <laughs> LED wall right now, which I assume is just <laughs> something he put together in his home as a, as a fun project. <laughs> yep. Sound absorbing panels with a $50 fiber optic kit off of uh, off of Amazon. He was giddy when he was putting it together. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we are here today because the two of you co-founded the Broadway Podcast Network just shy of a year ago. Talk to me about, first of all, how did the two of you meet? Dory came in to Google, actually, with the prom because 
we uh, at, with talks at Google, you alluded to my career now being theater adjacent. So just to cover that real fast within Google, I transitioned from being an engineer into uh, one of the global leads for the talks at Google program and bringing my love of theater with me. I started bringing in Broadway casts and for years I was bringing in dozens of shows to perform and do these Q&A events and prom came in and because it was one of the best and we've seen no brainer, got to bring it in. And out of all the people that I've brought in, the producers that I've met, the creatives that I met, no one has ever sent me a thank you note until Dory did. <laughs> that made me pay attention to her while all at the same time, I had just started my own personal podcast and for other reasons that I'm sure we'll get into, identified a huge hole in the industry, especially in podcasting and tech, and knew that I needed somebody who knew the industry to help make this happen. And researching Dory, it, this was a no-brainer. She's amazing. Back at you, Alan. I was going to say on the flip side of that, since Alan just paid you so many wonderful compliments, Dory, what drew you to uh, working with Alan um, after you met on the Talks at Google series? It was really <laughs> funny how it happened. You know, it's like you spend your whole career learning, you know, how to do due diligence and, and really study whether or not you should be um, pursuing this job or, or launching this initiative and and all the, the prep and due diligence that you have to do before you make an important decision like that. Basically, what happened is Alan invited me to interview for his podcast. And I said, sure. And he came to my office and we set up and we, we did the interview and we were just talking and talking after the interview was over. And, and we both pretty much at the same time said, you know, it's just such a shame that it's impossible to find these theater podcasts. There's no there there. And then we both basically said, someone should do something about that. And then we both kind of said, well, maybe we should do something about that. <laughs> and by the end of the meeting, it's like, yeah, let's do something about that. Next thing you know, we were off and running and creating this podcast network work. And we had just met for the first time, literally at, on that day. I mean, we had been in, well, you know, we met, we said hello at Google, but you know, yeah. this was the first time we actually spoke in, in any depth. <laughs> we were launching a business together. It's the opposite of what you're taught, <laughs> you know, what you're supposed <laughs> to do. I was, I was going to say, I had absolutely assumed up until this moment that you two had you know decades of experience working together and this was just the next thing but it really happened instantaneously that's amazing yeah we talked we talked a lot up to that point you know prepping for the interview for my podcast and then you know we did the, we did the interview and you know part of what i said when i was researching her she's just amazing like part of the research i did was because she was a guest on my podcast and i was like oh she did you know she was at morgan stanley and she's worked at disney and she developed the muppets 4d ride and she knows creative she knows business she it was all this stuff that all just makes perfect sense. And in talking and asking, I was asking people that I knew about her, if they knew her and everyone, there was not a single person who said a bad thing. Like her reputation is so amazing. And I was like, <laughs> all right, well, if she's nice enough to give me a chance, then hopefully this crazy idea of ours can actually work. Well, right. from, from my vantage point, I have to say that I love launching new ideas and whether, you know, Broadway musical from a blank page is, is like the, to me, the ultimate crazy risk and, and collaboration and pulling the most amazing group of people you can together to create magic. And so same with an entrepreneurial idea. And so with this idea, which for both of us, just, I think, 
like all the all the boxes were checked. This is this has to happen. Um, I I totally could deliver on the Broadway of it all, but there's no way I could come close to really understanding the 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 back end and the technical side and the really even the marketplace. And Alan was. Uh, clearly just blew me away with his knowledge, with his um, understanding of how this should come to life, what to do, what not to do. And so I get very excited when uh, about new ideas. I just love that more than anything. But then there's a whole other thing that has to happen. Like, are you in partnership with the right people that can help make those ideas come to life? And it was really clear right from that first day um, that, that Alan was the perfect partner to have on this idea. I didn't walk in the door thinking I was going to be launching a new business, but hey, you know, things happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, if you're going to do that, you got to do it with the right person. And Alan definitely was the right person. And uh, we haven't looked back. And I think it's been uh, an amazing partnership. And so let's talk about kind of the nuts and bolts of what the Broadway Podcast Network is. So you both spoke a bit about um, you know, the main issue you saw being the fragmentation of all these different theater podcasts and the fact that they were kind of all in different places and it was difficult to find them all catalogued in one place. What were the other sort of driving forces behind thinking this was something that needed to exist? For me, the discoverability was huge. That was the driving factor for me um, because you know, I've said this before, even on my own podcast, that if I knew how many existed, I wouldn't have started mine because I would have been able to find the content I was already looking for. So that to me immediately said, we're not talking to each other, all of us who have podcasts. There's a discoverability issue in general of I didn't know where to look. I, where I was looking didn't have appropriate recommendations. Where I was looking didn't have recent podcasts. I was finding things that were years old that hadn't released in the last year or two or if even longer. And so I just went off and started mine. And then, and then you know, I was like this idea of bringing everyone together is kind of a no brainer because A, in the theater space, no one's doing anything with podcasts professionally, right? And so how do we bring all that together, make a rising tide that lifts all ships? Because from a financial standpoint and a unification of, of effort and energy standpoint, the more we have together, the more download numbers we have, then as a network, we present to potential sponsors, potential advertisers, potential shows, whatever the case is. So you can actually turn it into a business and get a little something back from it in that respect, while at the same time, centralizing the efforts of like doing press and media outreach and social media and production. And, you know, we we've set up a studio in Midtown that hopefully one day we'll get to use again once quarantine is over. So we're providing the service so that Dory, she hasn't she, she's so bad at praising herself. So I'll, I'll do this for her. She's also an amazing documentarian. She makes these great documentaries. So she's a storyteller. And so the two of us together, part of what makes us work together so well is our need for sharing knowledge and getting that information out and providing the easiest platform to allow other people to do so. You know, we both love collaboration. We love working with great people. And uh, the idea that together we could create a platform that will give voice to so many wonderful people in our community that have something to say, you know, that, and these are podcasts we want to hear that we want to listen to, you know, so it's a little selfish, I have to say. So, right. <laughs> you know, let's, I want to be, I'm driving up the West Side Highway and I, I, uh, I want to be able to find theater podcasts. So in some instances, 
uh, we pursued uh, podcasts that preexisted the launch of BPN. And in uh, many other cases, we reached out to people we thought, you know, you need a podcast. You have such a, an interesting voice or you have a blog and why don't you do a podcast? And then soon we were, we were kind of inundated with people who wanted to do podcasts. But our community is all about storytelling and it's all about communication and it's all about interacting with people who love theater. And so creating a platform where people can connect and people can share stories and, and that we can bring people who love theater together from all over the place to learn and to laugh and to, you know, hear all these amazing stories that are coming out of these podcasts is really exciting to both of us. I just love the medium and I think that it's the wild west of podcasting and it's an exciting time to be part of it. And now back to the collaboration point, I think that we have such an extraordinary family of podcasters and, and amazing people we've met through this or we brought in that we already knew that, that uh, you know, we're all a team. We're all working together on this and it's just been a tremendous experience with all these people. Just We couldn't be happier about the the way that this whole family has come together. I have to say from my point of view as someone who had done a handful of podcasts before this, that sort of rising tide lifting all ships mentality that you were talking about with having all these people sort of in one I say room obviously it's not that's not what it is right now but one day soon. <laughs> um but having that resource available and just interacting with like other theater podcasters and through conversation, you know, finding out who people know, being connected with people and having technical questions, you know, even and just little ways to be able to improve, um, you know, the quality of the podcast and the quality of the content has been the most sort of amazing thing about doing this particular podcast. So I thank you both for that. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about your individual roles. Obviously, you're both co-founders, but uh, as Dory was sort of alluding to earlier, you both have different specialties in this world, and um, and that's why you decided to work together. So, Dory, what does a typical day look like as the CEO of the network? <laughs> there is no such thing as a typical day <laughs> sure. uh, at all. Uh, you know we're very much in touch all day long. Uh, so we do so much of what we do together. Uh, but, uh, as far as the business of it all and putting, uh, everything in place to run the business and the financial side of things, uh, the, um, advertising side of things, though we do a lot of that together as well. Um, a lot of leaning into all the relationships I have over decades, literally, of being in the community uh, and being able to call on those relationships over and over again for a variety of different reasons. And Alan very much owns the tech side of things, and I just bow down to him every day. Right. <laughs> and Alan, on the as as chief technical officer, indeed, what have been the biggest sort of parts of your last year in terms of getting everything technically assembled for this to happen? Wow. Uh, a lot of research, a lot of adaptation as the world changes almost daily and in major ways. I have produced and still somewhat maintain some indie podcasts. So I knew a lot about the podcasting as a medium. And that's part of the backstory about why it made sense to me to make a network. For me, it was a lot of research in, in identifying what was a proper platform because looking ahead, as Dory said, this is the Wild West. So we have to try to predict while creating at the same time. So what 
what platform do we need to be on that's going to future-proof us and allow us to add the features that we think we might need later? Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of research and a lot of guesswork and some design docs and bouncing ideas off Dory and figuring out what can work and what can't work. And then it, we've had um, team members that have also been instrumental in crafting some new ideas. And then obviously when COVID hit, everything had to move to virtual. We're interviewing right now over Squadcast, which is one of the platforms we've identified that works and there's limitations here. So if we had more than four people, we'd have to use another one. But if it was a live stream, we'd have to use another one. But if we needed longer video clips, we'd have to use something else. And if we're recording audio and video for live versus pre-recorded, we use a combination of systems. And so it's trial and error and just researching everything that can work along with adapting to needs as they arise because Dracula and Bleeding Love are two original productions that we did, we recorded completely in quarantine. Mm-hmm. So we had to figure out, do we ship people these mics? Do they already have them? And so we did. And there was, you know, when quarantine hit, there was a run on these Yeti blue mics that, like I've got. Like they're, these things are gold right now because you still can't really find them. What was it? 93,000 podcasts were added to iTunes in April, I think is the statistic. Wow. So like all of a sudden everybody had one. And so the technical challenges of overcoming on a daily basis people's internet connectivity issues people's video connectivity issues do we need multi-track here like we want to maintain a multi-track because we want to be able to independently edit people's audio so where do we need that when can we get away with not doing that we've just had to do so much and it's so exciting i'm getting excited thinking about all the stuff that we've all the problems we've had to solve because from a technical perspective like i love a good challenge and to be able to marry entertainment and creativity with technical solutions is like a dream come true. If such a thing is possible to sort of put COVID aside for a second, as we said, we're, we're coming up on a year of the network existing now. What I was going to say, what what are the biggest challenges have been, but presumably you've sort of just explained what those things have been. What have the biggest surprises been, I guess is a better question. What, what weren't you expecting when you started this journey that came up in the process of setting it all up? Right off the bat, the first thing that came to mind was how many podcasts actually exist already right like we we brought everyone together and fixed that discoverability issue and then you said put COVID aside but after COVID hit like so many people came to us with these wonderful wonderful ideas that we started producing those too I think for me I've learned a lot from Alan and uh, as far as the technology is concerned and I get very very excited about new technology uh, even though I'm not a Google employee, um, <laughs> uh, but going back to my film career and special effects and all of that, I, I just, I, I get very excited about it. And so figuring out how to use this platform and be able to tell stories, uh, in a variety of different ways beyond podcasting, even, um, Alan mentioned the two, uh, the musical and the play that we've recorded to date, and we have a lot more that's coming up and, you know, really figuring out how to push the envelope and to kind of create new ways of storytelling is really exciting to me. And during COVID, I mean, it's just a little hard to ignore that we are in the middle of that. I think one of the things that's been um, remarkable is that, as Alan mentioned, podcasting overall was down by around 20% overall. Um, And we continued to climb and climb and climb, growing by around 30%, while everybody else was dropping by 20%. And I think that speaks to our community, the theater lovers um, that need that connectivity during this time. And uh, so it's been 
you know, spurred by their excitement to, and what we can do during this time to bring our community together um, it has, has also been very, very inspiring to us. And I think that um, we've continued to see that things build and build and build and are excited about all those possibilities. And I know that all of this this way that we're communicating now, the way that we're telling stories now will continue long after COVID is over, which hopefully is sooner rather than later. So I'm, um, you know, silver lining wise, it's been a great time to really push the envelope and continue to play around and figure out what we can do that hasn't been done before. And that I think for both of us is really an exciting thing. Nor you should speak to, to, um, you know, having to create your own website for Legally Blonde and translating that <laughs> into into education of in the theater industry about podcasting in general right now, because that I thought you would say that as the biggest challenge of just getting theater on board. <laughs> well, it actually wasn't Legally Blonde. We did have um, a wonderful website uh, that was, you know, early in the world of websites, um, working with uh, Situation and, and, and Damien in creating um, the Legally Blonde website. They did a great job. They were very state-of-the-art for the moment. Um, but that was 2000. Seven, but historically, Broadway is always the last adopters. You know, there, you know, I I can't tell you going way back in my producing career the 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 stories I can tell you about all the people who I sent you an email and it's like, oh, I don't even know my password. I have no idea. I forgot <laughs> I had, and, you know, or right. or um, having meetings with people uh, that would say, you know, you do not need to worry about selling tickets online. No one's going to buy tickets online. You know, we're the last community to jump on board things technical. For us, I think that it was kind of meteoric going from uh, launching in October when Alan and I both kept hearing, what's a podcast? <laughs> from a lot of people in the community literally. to literally to uh, to really being on board and excited about what the Broadway Podcast Network uh, can can do for everybody and and how we can collaborate with everybody. So the growth has been massive very quickly, and um, I think that that was in the very beginning a little bit more daunting than we expected. But now um, I think even during the pandemic, when everyone is so reliant on digital things, <laughs> things have gone, they've gone through the roof. So it's, it's an exciting time for us in that regard that we can use this platform to keep everybody in the theater community connected is what it's all about for us. If we put aside the people who straight up didn't know what a podcast was, did you, did you find people receptive once you explained what it was? You talked about the skepticism towards, you know, 20 years ago, things like selling tickets online. Did you find people was, were skeptical or were they willing to sort of have the conversation off the bat? I think there was a lot of, um, there were challenging discussions until we were really able to launch the podcast. You know, we went out there early before we launched and said, this is what we're doing. Isn't this great? And you guys are going to join us right off the bat. And a lot of blank stares because I think that they needed to see it and experience mm -hmm. it and understand who else was part of it. Uh, and and we we it's such an important priority for us that the Broadway Podcast Network really has so many different voices that that on so many different topics and is as representative of the most diverse community that we possibly have in, in subject matter in podcasters in in everything uh, and the, the topics that we have 
you know, uh, aside from just all about the shows and our the personalities in our community range from everything from uh, mental health issues to moms in the Broadway community and Broadway husbands and ensemblists and Black Lives Matter and Asian artists and so on and so on and so on. it's just like and very important also that we involve the community, um, the regional theaters. We have podcasts from London, quite a few. We have podcasts from the West Coast. We have podcasts from Sydney. Sydney, yeah. So we we mm-hmm. we really are. You know, podcasting is global, and theater is global. So to be able to bring in voices and stories from all around the world has been a top priority for us. On a slightly higher level, as you know, on putting it together, we focus on the business side of everything that's going on. First of all, the podcasting business. Obviously, podcasting, it's been around in some form or another for about 20 years. Um, But as you describe it, it is still kind of the Wild West in that 20 years for an entire art form is not a very long time. Alan, what is the next big thing coming down the pipeline in the podcasting space that we all need to look out for? Well, uh, Apple dictates a lot of terms that the rest of the industry has to follow suit on. So it's, that's a tough question to answer because Apple could release something tomorrow that just requires that everybody change the game. And my personal, I was going to say personal gripe, but it's not the right way to say it. How it's gotten to where it is with Apple running the game right now is because long ago, many iOS versions ago on people's iPhones, the Apple podcast app came native on the phone. So whenever anyone wanted to look up something, they already had an app. Google, A, didn't have a phone, a dedicated phone for a while. And then I'm pretty sure now still does not install Google podcasts by default natively when you buy when you open the box with your Android phone. So you still have to take that extra step of knowing how to get an app and then how to find a podcast. Mm-hmm. So because of that, for the lion's share of podcast listens all come from Apple devices, iOS devices. And Spotify and Stitcher, mainly Spotify, are are chipping away at that very quickly because now with online services and um, Spotify has has been investing mil- hundreds of millions in the podcast space, and they've acquired Gimlet, which of course uh, is the is the network behind Serial and many many others. And one of my favorite podcasts, actually, the Horrors of Dolores Roach, love that podcast. But networks, I think, and this is again the business side of it too, is that we're positioning ourselves so that so that we can be a very strong competitor in the space as a network. Because I was reading an article the other day about you know is this the death of the indie podcast? Being that you have Gimlet and you have like Audible and Amazon are now partnered up, and and we're getting all of these emails of like from Amazon as as account owners for a lot of our podcasts. I'm getting these emails like saying we're about to launch with Audible. Um, we want to have your podcast in here, submit it ahead of time, so it'll be ready. Pandora just got into the space. So I think the next big thing is what we are trying to lead the way in. Advertising agencies are going to start playing a much bigger role in the podcast space. And in 2021, is predicted, finally, it's going to break the $1 billion in in ad spend in podcast space. It's a, such an overcrowded market, so it's harder and harder to stand out. And what's going to make a big difference now is what advertisers pay attention to and how they pay attention to us and what they care about. So do they care about post-read, pre-roll, mid-roll, post-roll, the technology behind how the ads are inserted. That's where all the wild west of it all, the dust is finally starting to settle. And the ad agencies that 
connect advertisers with advertisees are those agencies are now finally realizing like this is a big deal we have to get in the podcast space and i think we're going to see some tremendous changes within the next 12 months easy and dory i wanted to ask you the the same question but in a slightly different context obviously you have a huge amount of experience in the broadway space primarily as a as a producer the broadway podcast network as alan was just describing is sort of part of trying to modernize that that very old institutionalized business I'm wondering what you see the changes in the Broadway space coming down the pipeline, either including or excluding, I'll leave it up to you, the very obvious ones of theatre is going to be a very different place when it reopens full stop. You know, just putting on a completely different hat as a Broadway producer, if I was launching a show tomorrow and I had nothing to do with the Broadway Podcast Network, podcasting and all that the Broadway Podcast Network can do would be a major part of my plan. Mm. What gives you, I think, gives you the opportunity to do is reach an audience in a much deeper way. And so, you know, we all are very familiar with advertising that that's on billboards and advertising that's on, you know, quick hits on the radio or television or, you know, uh, you see a social media post. But having a conversation about a show, about an artist, about a topic. If I was bringing the prom to Broadway today, I, I, there would be so many different ways that I'd want um, uh, to interact with the Broadway Podcast Network um, and, and to have my show be just all over the place um, mm. uh, on the Broadway Podcast Network. Because, you know, you, when you have somebody talking to you in your ears, it's a very intimate experience. You know, it's, it's like somebody's whispering into your ears and it's very intimate. And, um, and it lands in such a different way than if you just like, you know, in the background, an ad is on television or something. So I yeah. think, I think that wearing that hat, I really see the value and I'm really excited about the potential. And I think that other producers and creatives are realizing that now too. And so I think that we'll see the community uh, interacting and wanting to interact with us and uh, this medium in a very, very different way when we come back. What is coming up in year two for the Broadway Podcast Network? What can folks expect to see in the next 12 months? Well, depending on when this episode drops, our iOS app will either be about to be released or just have been released. We've gotten such positive feedback about the website. The website, broadwaypodcastnetwork.com, is the digital destination that, you know, Dory dreamed of, that we dreamed of, of bringing everyone together online. And then taking it one step further, you can't listen to our podcast on that site when you don't have service or if your phone locks, it doesn't keep playing. So how do you maintain that level of connectivity within our own Broadway theater, theater adjacent ecosystem on a mobile device? Obviously, an app is the next greatest thing. And so the app actually will take it one step further and we're going to integrate all of our YouTube, our live streams, our town halls. We've got some really exciting features uh, in design now for the app that I don't want to give away too soon. And then personally for me too, uh, we were, we were we're heading down this track right when COVID hit and then we stopped because of it, but uh, smart home integration. And I'll just leave that dangling in the air. <laughs> and then I'd say creatively, we're continuing to add podcasts to our family that really are, you know, the top line, extraordinary storytelling, amazing podcasters. Um, Tim Rice just joined us as a podcaster, uh, amazing podcast that I'm obsessed with. I think that there is a lot of innovative uh, programming in the works right now, a wide variety of things from 
very, very funny, engaging kind of earworm storytelling that you're going to want to come back to and back to and back to, to stories that really matter, that really address the very urgent issues of our day and discussions that put forth topics and, you know, the world we're living in generally, and then as artists, uh, as member of the community and provocative interviews and all that is so important right now. And it's a way for us all to, uh, connect and to question and to move things forward. We also are very excited about ramping up for the return of Broadway. And Mm -hmm. that is going to be a huge endeavor for all of us. And we just, you know, ideas are flying and we can't wait uh, until we really can see the light at the end here. The curtain is going to go up that first night and all of Times Square is going to be so loud. I cannot wait for that moment. I cannot wait. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals of the Broadway Podcast Network. And as ever, you can find out more about the network and other programming available at broadwaypodcastnetwork.com. There you can also find podcasts from today's guests. Dory is the host of Deep Dive Broadway and Alan hosts the Theatre Podcast. Both are available from BPN wherever you get your podcasts. Putting It Together is produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals for the Broadway Podcast Network. And our theme music is by Euless Pecan. Artwork and editing is by me, Ollie Southgate. You you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Ollie Southie, or take a look at my website, OllieSouthgate.com. In both cases, my name is spelled with an IE, not a Y. I'll be back on the first Friday of next month, so that's Friday, October 2nd. But until then, thanks as always for listening, and goodbye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.